You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. Welcome to In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast, dedicated to Destiny and its community. Today's show, episode 31, Condoms Won't Save You from the SIVA Infection. And today's host is me, Jorge, and of course, David. Say hi. Hello, everybody. So on today's show, we're going to discuss the Cosmodrome Winter Tour, the Iron Banner that came and went, a potential bundle for new players, Issues that have been brought up to me as I've been playing this game and things I wanted to talk about. And of course, messages from the Reef. Let's just jump right into it. Part one is going to be the Cosmodrome Winter Tour. David, they started over there in the breach location of the new Cosmodrome where you're able to obtain the gun in the very first mission of the game. They showed snow changes. You were able to go into areas that you weren't able to go before. What did you think of the uh, Cosmodrome Winter Tour? Um, well, I really liked uh, the changes they brought into the new areas because it shows that they're finally doing something with time and this world. Because as we know, time's passed. I mean, all the characters in the game bring up that, oh, you've done this and you've done this and you've done this. Well, it doesn't exactly happen in three days. So it's good that they're making it so time is passing in these familiar destinations. And uh, it's it's better than running the same thing backwards as well. Now we get like a, I mean it is still the same area, but we're getting fresh looks to these areas, and it looked like good. It didn't look perfect because there are obviously some problems with the um, developers build that they're playing in, but it looked good, and it really excites me to to see that they're doing this with areas now. They're making it so t- time has passed. You can tell that time has passed, and. Um, I mean, dropping last gen is going to help this look graphically way better than things like Crimson Doubles and those roses ever did. You're never going to let those roses go, are you? No, never. They were brutal. It was paper mache in a video game. <laughs> yeah, uh, in case anybody knows what we're, wants to know what we're talking about, take a look at the Crimson Days look of the of the tower and it was really like they looked nice from afar but when you got close to them you realize how blocky they were you could still see green stems from below sticking through the roses making it look really really bad and unprofessional it was kind of bad but it was okay no if you know anything about like graphical design or video game development or like general computer design of any kind you know that things come in layers. And they very obviously just made a layer and stuck it right on top and didn't care where it landed because stuff was sticking through it. You could go through it in all awkwardly. It didn't exactly fit the patterns perfectly. It bugged me. So I'm really happy that now they're taking the time to make things look awesome in the environment and the environments were already in and stuff. So that's a bonus for me with that tour. 
If you couldn't tell, David's really passionate about the roses to the point where it's become his obsession. Anything that fails is automatically a rose bush of I just, life. Oh, I just compare it to the roses all the time. Yes, the roses of life is what David is all about. So, let's go ahead and go. <laughs> so, you go through the first area. You, you, you see that there's shanks in the, in the ceiling, tearing stuff down. Um, one cool effect that I, I'm not sure if they're going to introduce is when a shank actually cuts through the metal piece. And let's see a metal piece fall down. I, I think that'd be a nice touch. I might be expecting too much by that, but I kind of thought it would be cool. Um, when you go outside to the divide, the divide is the area where the fallen walker would be for the public event. Um, and you could see the dead fallen walker just sitting there. Um, and when they were doing the whole mission, you could kind of see that there was actually a public event of another type. It was the Warsat that was in that area. They didn't activate the, the actual thing. But it was cool to see the snow effects. There was a SIVA infection site that they went up close. And you could see how the SIVA was infecting the world. Um, it was cool to see the different... Hate, uh, not taken, I'm sorry. SIVA infected um, splicer enemies that were there. They were really cool to look at. They, they look fun. They look fresh. Even though it's basically the Fallen uh, times two. It's just a special version of the Fallen. And it's going to be interesting to, how, to see how they play. Because let me tell you. I can't wait to go one-on-one -on -one with those servitors. Those servitors look absolutely fantastic. They look great. They look vicious. They look dangerous. Right now, the servitors, the only area I've ever experienced fear when it came to servitors was when I was level 34 and we were doing the 35 uh, Prison of Elders. The one room before Skolas where you're fighting the giant servitor, the pilot servitor, and you have those four servitors that reach that like they'll come back no matter what. Oh my God, that's the only time I've ever feared servitors. <laughs> only time. I'm th those eyeballs scared me. That room scares me. It's... But outside of that, I've never been scared of um, the, uh, the servitors. A servitor in the new raid will be a ton of fun. There's like a giant servitor boss or something. Oh my God, you know what's gonna happen too. <laughs> well, it, wasn't there a giant servitor in one of the images? Like you, you kind of see him in the sky. Yeah, he's all like, a kind of a weird looking servitor. Yeah, it looks like your mom. Oh snap! Oh gosh! Oh no, but I, I can actually see a giant servitor Siva infected boss, and I think that's gonna be really, really cool to face, especially if they introduce a mechanic kind of like with Golgoroth, where the servitor you cannot do any damage. He has a shield, and let's say you have to charge up a giant weapon that's in the room, and you have to use it to destroy the shield, and only then can you do damage, and he's teleporting all over the room, kind of like Sepkis cool. Prime. So, we're excited to see how these new enemies work, and how they, you know, react to all the different stuff that's around them. I know I am, David is, so let's talk about what we did, what we, since we've already talked about what we liked about the Winter Tour, let's talk about what we didn't like. Um, now, the quality of the stream was really, really bad when it came to Bungie standards. And I'm not talking about, oh, these looked bad. But very clearly, they were using a development build. And it looked, in some areas, especially when they were going from the breach to the divide, the one area that had the giant fan, 
It was all sparkly, and it looked like they they were still working on it, like they were supposed to put icicles or something in there. And it was really, really, I don't want to say half-assed, but it was half-assed. It was it was weird because like most of these Destiny streams from Bungie, you can tell they like put a ton of thought into it. They planned for it. They got their guests laid out. Like everything is set. And then for this one, I was like. It didn't seem like they really planned that much. They didn't have, like... They usually seem like they basically have a script they're following, and they didn't really have that. Like, their guest situation wasn't exactly super organized. It was it was weird for a Bungie stream. Mm-hmm. Almost uh, like they rushed to put it together just to, to show people something. I mean, I, I'm almost expecting that they, they did rush to put something together because they knew that the next show was going to be in Gamescom. Which I want to say is the sixteenth to the twentieth. I, I honestly August. don't know. I, 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 you, you would have thought that we would have done preparation for the show. Obviously, we didn't. But Gamescom <laughs> is coming in mid-August, and on that show, they're going to be discussing Crucible heavily, which they did mention in the show. Um, and they talked a lot about the Yaller Wing. The Yaller Wing is a fantastic addition to your Destiny arsenal if you pre-order, because it's Yallerhorn except on a bike, and it looks like the Yallerhorn, and it's so white, and, and if you pre-order, it's black, and it's it's the Yaller Wing. Well, that's basically how, how they were putting it out, because they kept talking about it. And it's a sparrow that's almost identical in, in, form, in form and function as the sparrow that you get from the Dark Below pre-order. Except it looks like the Gallahorn. A very tacky version of the Gallahorn. But tell me how you really feel about this sparrow, David. Uh, well, uh, it looks like, um, in the words of Jorge, straight poo-poo. <laughs> Eat the poo-poo! Um, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 was, it, it was really kind of sad to see the, the, the Yallowing, because at this point in time, I think everybody's had all these different variations on... on sparrows you have the trick sparrows you have the boost sparrows from the raid you have the sparrows that go really really fast but don't have a boost which is the ones that i tend to stick with you have the ones from srl but we're all looking for that special sparrow that actually does attacks since day one we've wanted a sparrow where we can go in shoot guns with it and we've kind of had a feeling like that with the um uh, the fallen not Sparrow, but I forget what it's called. It's the, uh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, why can't I remember? I, I can see it. The Pike. Pike, yes, but it's a, a different type of Pike. It's the like... Well, the one from House of Wolves is the Heavy Pike. Su- heavy Pike, that's what it was. I was going to say Supercharged Pike, because I'm right. crazy. Which, but, by the side note, when are they going to bring that into Combined Arms? I want I Heavy know. Pikes in Combined Arms. When are they going to bring Combined Arms like into full rotation in the game again? When they have more larger maps, which... Wait, they have more than three maps? They have three large maps, that's it. I just have more than three maps in the game, because, you know, that's all I play. Oh, oh, oh. David's kind of salty, because when he was playing Iron Banner, he only had three maps. Uh, We'll We'll talk about that later. Yeah, so... (laughs) So, if I were to give this show... um, This this reveal a number score out of ten, it would have been a five, because... I'm I'm really excited to face this new enemy, and I'm really excited to see how they play. The, the snow effects were really really cool, and I thought it was 
cool to see some progression of time, but what got me excited was seeing the server, the captains, the fan the vandals, the dregs, seeing how they were how we were getting attacked. The perks and stuff, I didn't really get a, a good look, but and the gal the Yallerwing, nice little addition, but if I didn't have it in game or I didn't get it as a pre order bonus, I wouldn't be too sad to be honest. Yeah. Uh, one little thing we should talk about before we move on is there was that quick little peek into DJ's option screen where he had the 355 light. And a lot of people have pointed out that he was wearing something that wasn't at a higher light. I think it was a ghost or something like that. But um, that kind of brings about that uh, what will max light be. And personally, I don't think 355 is even close to enough, especially because this is essentially the start of a year expansion. But, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on how the light's going to turn out? I mean, I, I told you from the beginning, I didn't expect anything more than, what was it, 370, 380 at most? And that was being generous, and I think that this is going to fall in line with my predictions of 370, 380. Uh, and I think that if there is an April update or an April expansion or, say, Destiny 2, whatever, um, I, I honestly believe that there would have been some mention of it or that that it, it because because we don't know what's coming out in the spring that changes everything but I believe that 37380 is where this expansion is going to go which means that there's going to be more end game activities kind of like what we have now in the April act, in, in the April update um that are going to get you to that level but the real challenge is going to be the raid and I think that if the April update had introduced a super challenge mode, or whatever you want to call it, for the raid, that we would have had a better overall experience with the April update, because then we would have experienced something that is at max light level. And that's what we don't currently have in the game. You can say Prison of Elders is max light level. It's not. It's 330, and I beat that when I was 308. <laughs> I, I cannot say that I beat the raid with a team of 308s on 320. No, I mean, the raids are always a really good challenge, and yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say about it right now. You, you explained it quite well. <laughs> Alright, so let's go ahead and move real quickly to talk about Iron Banner. Um, not that there's much to talk about. It was Iron Banner Control. We got the Pulse Rifle, we got the Sniper Rifle, we got arms, we got legs, and... We got a lot of lag. Okay, yeah. But uh, three main points for this one. One, lag sucks. It it, it honestly felt worst, worst. Uh, it felt worst of all and worse than usual. But um, uh, it was not good at all. And it, it that's that's not enjoyable because Iron Banner seemed like it was getting better each time, and then this time it just went completely downhill again with lag. I don't know if there's a lack of players or, or what was going on, some matchmaking shenanigans, but lag was terrible. Second of all, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, we only play three freaking maps. Like, put some variation. I don't want to play Vertigo two out of three games every time I'm playing. Like, give us some different maps. And then the third thing, um, why does it seem like whenever the sniper rifle is one of the guns that the drops just don't happen? Maybe maybe that was just me, but it, it feels like anytime the sniper rifle is the gun, I don't get end of end of game drops. 
So a, a couple of things I want to jump on with regards to that. Um, the map rotation is absolutely putrid. I I I, I cannot. It, it seems like they chose six maps at most, made one of them rare, one of them really common, and then everything else in the middle, like whatever they want. Because I was getting nonstop vertigo. Um, I didn't ma mind rusted lands, but at a certain point when it's like a third or fourth time there, I, I, was, I, was, I didn't mind Shores of Time too much. But it seems like the same map rotation that we had and the past Iron Banner, which to me was the worst Iron Banner experience. Not this, not this past Iron Banner. The Iron Banner before, that, that whatever they did in the 2.2 update, that messed up whatever. And, and I'm not sure. This is, put on your tinfoil hats, children, because <laughs> we're going down the rabbit hole. I don't know if they introduced something in the back end. Very similar to what they did that they said that they wouldn't do with the skill-based matchmaking, but I am almost positive that they introduced something in the back end, which is causing changes to the way the connection is working. I can, I can live with the fact that a lot of these changes are happening because of a lack of players in the game, but, oh my, can we, like, calm down with whatever you're doing in the background? Because... It's not working. Here's what I don't get. I can go back and I can play Call of Duty 4 on Xbox 360, which probably has, I think it's usually like one to 2,000 people playing the game, period. And I don't have laggy games. But then I can come to Destiny and play their PvP, which I guarantee you there's still like a couple hundred thousand people playing at any given time at least, and just be lagging all over the place. Like, Figure something out, Bungie, because you didn't have this big of a problem with Halo. Yeah, we're, we're having some red bar warriors all all over the place. Um, to kind of wrap this thing up with Iron Banner, um, I kind of want them to do one of the following. I want them to introduce those big maps again. Make make it so that the map rotation. If you want to do six maps, fine. Make it so that one is a one of the big maps, one of the three big maps. One is um, either Pantheon or Cathedral of Dust because they're very similar. I, and, and it's weird that I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'd rather Cathedral of Dusk over Pantheon any day. Sometimes at, I agree. At least with Cathedral of Dusk, you have multiple paths and you're not always running into a sniper lane. Yeah, you're not, you're not as bottlenecked. Pantheon so, is just bottlenecked after bo like if you get somebody set up on those two points and it's clash game over man you're done. Well, um, and uh, and I was just gonna say four other maps that that just get one from each expansion. You have one from Vanilla, one from um, the Dark Below, one from House of Wolves, one from uh, one from uh, what's it called, uh, Taken King, and that way you round out. Like you, you have these things set up for all these different game types, and it and it's nice. It would be nice to see a bigger map like Bastion, which was the other day. Me and me and the clan, we ran Bastion. We did a classic six v six. We ran into combined arms. We had so much fun on Bastion, and I thought it was going to be nonstop sniper fest. Like we were getting into deep in it, like 
spike kills, turret kills, um, uh, the 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 tank. I forget the 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 interceptor. We were just laying into each other. I was getting blown up. My body was flying, Wah! and I was losing it. Like I, I was having so much fun on that map, and like I I can't. I, I like. I'll even take a sky shock, which I hate that map. But I'll take a sky shock over going again and again to um. To Vertigo, or again to an, uh, another map that we've done 500 times. At a certain point, you have to mix these other these older maps in. Well, here's my thing. I, I think there are two ways you could go about doing Iron Banner, and the the one way is kind of the way you mentioned. You do like a six map rotation, which I think is a terrible idea in general. But you could do that. It's just every time you do it, make sure you have six different maps for every Iron Banner, because nobody wants to come back to Iron Banner and play the same six maps they've been playing every time they play Iron Banner. But what honestly I think you should do is they should be doing it reverse of how they kind of do it. Like regular Crucible, like, yeah, make it the current expansions like maps. It's going to suck, but I mean, you're playing the current expansion. So having current expansion maps in like regular Crucible makes kind of sense. When you do Iron Banner and it's like a special event and people are going to be playing way more PvP than they usually play, that's when you want variation. So make sure that you've got almost every single map in that rotation. There's no reason why you can't have big maps and small maps and medium maps and match maps from every which way because that's what would help keep Iron Banner more exciting and draw in more players rather than people just getting sick of dying on Vertigo over and over and over again. I concur. All right, so let's go ahead and... David, why don't you talk about Mash Those Buttons? Well, Mash Those Buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. We cover a large swath of gaming. We cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. And with that, we're going to jump right into the next topic. It's going to be a pretty quick topic, but I think it's going to be important to people who have not picked up the game yet. Maybe you want to get this package for somebody and make them your buddy-buddy and, and get somebody through the game and, and steal an emblem or a shader or, or whatever. Well, Destiny the Collection is supposedly coming out soon, and this is a yet-to-be-revealed product by Activision or Bungie. The expected price is $50, and it was listed on Amazon UK. The listing has since been removed, and the rumor is that it includes Year 1, Year 2, and Rise of Iron. And this is similar to a pricing that, uh, I almost said Bungie, that Blizzard uses for World of Warcraft, where, you would, where everything before the expansion was $20, and then the newest expansion was $30 to $40. And David, what do you think of this? If this is an actual product, and let's say you have a friend that hasn't picked up Destiny, what do you think this would be like for them? Do you think that this provides good value? Well, I mean, there, there are a couple of ways to look at it. First off, yes, it's great value. Like $50 for everything that's come out in Destiny so far. Um, I've paid, uh, I don't even know, 200 something dollars now for everything that's come out in Destiny. Earth. And like it's it's worth it to me. Like I've I've put so much time into the game. Like I've enjoyed it. Like it's basically 
I I would have put the same amount of time if I'd been buying like individual video games for these costs or probably less time to be honest because Destiny has just drawn me in so much over time. So to me, yes, great price. Like you're getting a great deal here. The problem with that is people in the community, there is like a sour side to the community and people get upset and like frustrated because they have paid $200 for the game and now you're giving it out for $50, which I mean, I don't think that's the right way to look at it because I think you need to look at it as this is drawing people into the community. And as players, we should always want our community to grow, but it's, it's going to happen. It's inevitable that people will think that way. Um, if Bungie were to keep doing this, uh, like WoW kind of does, um, it could be good. Like it's awesome that there's a way for people to catch up who are a bit behind. Like say you get like a year or two behind because you just worked for a year straight or something like that. And now you can catch back up for a cheaper price. That's awesome. My only worry is I don't think Bungie understands the amount of content they need to be dropping at this point. If they think they can get away with dropping Taken King style and now Rise of Iron, which we believe is going to be a little bit smaller than Taken King um, every single year. And that's it. Like that's not going to work for a council video game. It's, it's not enough content and people are going to get frustrated and leave the community because they're not going to want to keep paying over and over. And the only people you will be getting will be the people that are like, Oh, $50 for everything. Yeah. Like I'll try out this game. Yep. Um, for the people that are concerned that what they paid before is now bundled in for just $20. Think of it like this, and I know this is going to sound silly. Last year, you bought NHL 2K uh, was 16. This year is going to be NHL 2K 17. All right, that game. If you were to go to GameStop right now, last year's edition, the second the new ones announced, it's the old one is going to be like five dollars, and you paid sixty dollars to to get this new game that is now five dollars. Why? Because it's an annualized thing. You have to approach these things the same way. And the reason this is very important, year one in uh, the dark below, you had the uh, Blades of Crota. Maybe that wasn't a huge thing, but it was still a thing that you could do. In addition, there is a mission that you cannot do right now because it's no longer available. Um, the only There's only one thing that still remains to this day from that from that expansion that is affected in the uh, in patrol and that's Urzok the Hated and he's only available on um, what is it the in Skywatch. There's also um, there's three like random events in the Cosmic Drone that you can still activate from that expansion. Right. The uh, the uh, it's like the sword bearers and like the eye of the eyes of Crota, yeah. the heart of Crota, the 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 will of Crota, whatever. No, will of Crota is the strike boss. But anyway, um, but let's let's look at uh, the the House of Wolves. The patrols are no longer there. Those patrols were huge fun. They were a lot of fun. Well, people spent and hours farming those. People spent hours farming them. They were fun events. Like the second that they had it, even if you were in the middle of a mission, you stopped, took a detour, looked for that, and you you killed. And it was fun. And people who were buying this expand this collection. You're not going to experience that. Um, when Rise of Iron comes, I'm. This is me assuming, but I'm. I think I'm pretty safe in my assumption. The Taken War isn't going to be happening. You're not going to be able to go out there 
into the patrols and fight Taken anymore. So people who buy this expansion, they're not going to be facing the Taken. That And a lot of these Taken public events are actually a lot of fun. You get surrounded by Taken, especially if you're on Skywatch and there's a, a war going on. You have the war plus the Taken. It's, it's a whole bunch of nonsense. It's a lot of fun that people who buy this collection aren't going to get. They're gonna have to. De- they're gonna have to deal with a new public event or new whatever. So, yeah. so th- there's a lot of things that, that people who are buying. Yes, they're gonna get a lot of value, but there's a lot of things that these people who are buying this collection are going to miss out on. And yeah. it's a, it's the same thing that people had when they bought last year's version of the sports game compared to this year's version of the sports game. It, th- there, there's just it, while yes, you got a great value and you bought it for five dollars, you're not gonna have the latest players. You're not gonna have the latest trades. You, you have to do everything yourself, and people are just gonna move on to the new, new game. So people are, are like at a certain point. Like, I mean, do you try getting players now to do Vault of Glass outside of our clan, obviously, because we're weirdos. I'll we'll put it up at Vault of Glass. But let's say you don't. You're not in a clan. You try getting people for Vault of Glass, it's a challenge. It's even more of a challenge to get people to do uh, Crota Zen because Crota Zen wasn't considered as fun. So these are things that people have to take into account whenever they, they say, oh, you know, I spent $500 and blah, 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 and I'm a fancy person because I put money down and troll, la, la. So we have to take it take this into, into consideration whenever we, we look at that price and say, $50 is a great value, but they're not going to get a lot of the experiences or even the same feeling that we got. Yes, they can go ahead and do the raid, but it's not the same thing as if everybody was doing the raid for the first time. It's a, it's a very good point in the fact that while you are buying the same technical amount of content, like you know everybody is just going to rush through it to try to get to the current content. And the fact that you level so consistently in Destiny it will make it so you just keep leveling past the point where you don't need to go do the raids. Like there were every time the current expansion was out, you need to do that raid three times a week. If you want to end up like the max light level, especially back during vault of glass time where you were forever 29, Mm. but it, it was, you, you need to be doing what is current and people who buy this content will just push their way to the current content. So yes, they're getting the same technical amount of content, but they're not getting the same playability from it that we all got. Right. All right. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about a little piece of something I wanted to bring up. And that is communication and PVP time and PVP frustration. I'm sorry. So this was kind of a last minute edition. And that was because the reason it's a last minute edition is it was something that I've noticed this weekend, especially. And David, I know you've experienced this. I've experienced this a lot. Um, One of the things that I encountered before the Technodrome became a bigger thing, I did a lot of stuff on Destiny LFG. And I also did a lot of stuff on the different Facebook groups. Where I would say, need one or need five for eight, we're doing whatever. I didn't realize it as much back then because I was doing three-man events and this was when I was doing Skolas runs. So I could easily, you know, handle that that whole event by myself and 
pick up the pieces, do some revives. But man, recently it's become noticeable that people have just stopped communicating, not just in Destiny, but they refuse to communicate effectively on console gaming. And this is a huge problem that I've encountered when I did recent uh, raid runs. And I, I'm really concerned about this because you would think that saying something as simple as I got my ogre. I got my knight. I need help with my knight. I need help with my ogre. Something as small as that would be so would be so easy to communicate and yet people have problems with it. And I'm I'm concerned as to why this is the situation, why this is the phenomena, especially when these players have the microphone and we're communicating with you before the encounter started. Well, this, um, there's a couple things I want to throw in real quick before I forget these, because yep. we're kind of on this like raid topic. Um, one thing to keep in mind uh, is I think we take our raid team for granted because like um, together, I mean, we, you and me, we had for a period of time, what, like four or five consistent raid teams that the two of us would be with. with like right. different groups of three or four that would come in. But um, we take that for granted in the fact that by the time we're a month to two months into the raid, we all know what's going on. We don't have to talk as much, but we all know that people will say what needs to be said. Um, you don't have to tell people twice to talk because everybody is there and wants to do good and wants to get this done. And that's when you get the raid done in under an hour because you've got people communicating. Everybody knows their roles. It's, it's this point in the year right now where like you especially, you like helping people. You run, what, 500 raids by now? or something like that, because you like helping people and you'll go through and do raids over and over and over again a week. Well, now we're finding the people that when moments of triumph or triumph are out are like, Oh, like I need to run a raid, but they're not used to being in these groups. So they don't see communication the way we do. And I mean, they, sh I feel like they should, or they should learn to communicate because communication is, is huge. Um, when I do one thing I do, I don't do raids as much as you do. I mean, I'll do the raids for my thing, but I don't do raid help. I I'll do trials help. And I like to call it trials help when I do it, not trials carry because, um, well, the scoreboard sometimes may have me on top more than other people. So it's technically me carrying the team for me. Doing trials help is all about teaching people how to get to the lighthouse. So I don't have to be them there with them to get there. And the biggest thing in PvP, because this is why you ended up bringing it up, was you said your PvP experiences especially. People don't communicate in PvP. And people think that because there are people out there that are the best in PvP, they need to be like those people. And they see streams where the person is not communicating, they're rushing in, they're killing people. Well, that's not you. Like, I'm sorry. But there are very few people who are as good as players like Crafty, and triple wreck and all these big huge pvp players you're not going to be that good maybe one day if you work really hard and spend hundreds of hours a week like they do you'll you'll get good but those people are also not communicating because they're looking at their stream they're talking to their stream and it's their job to talk to their stream you need to focus on communication and all pvp and iron banner oh my gosh this uh, the biggest thing to me when I play with an Iron Grand Banner group is communication. You cannot 
lose a game of control if you have a team of six who are communicating because you split up into groups and you cover your points and you communicate. As soon as you have two or three people not communicating, you lose if you're versing a good team because then you have people running out and dying. You have people not calling people out. And I'm sorry, but if I'm playing with you and you die behind me and don't tell me there's someone to killing to coming behind me that's going to kill me and I die, I'm going to get mad at you. Because it, it is simple things like that that everybody just doesn't think about saying that like makes your team so much better and makes the playing experience so much easier for you if you're just willing to talk. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's something as simple as David to your right, David behind you, David in front of you. There's someone, there's three people on A. Something like, especially saying like, that last part. When I was doing Iron Banner, um, Somebody called out three people on, on A. Let's, let's just use that for an example. And I was actually close to A. I was about to turn the corner. I was like, whoop, backing up. I hit the circle twice, shadow step backwards, went the other way. Why? Because I got effective communication from somebody. I'm not trying to make fun of this person. This person is not one of the best PvP players. But because they made that call out, I was able to organize a team to go around and to have another group go around and we took out those people that were on A that I would have not that I would have been taken out had I not heard that that call out. That is what makes an effective person communicate and I I'm almost positive that is why people didn't have a fruitful experience with Iron Banner Rift. Iron Banner Rift was a very fun experience for me. I enjoy that game mode a lot, and I know people groan when I say, yo, let's go ahead and do some Rift. When we get in there and we're communicating, I mean, these same people that were saying, yo, really, we're doing Rift? All of a sudden, we win 9 out of 10 games. They're like, yo, we're demolishing them. They're, ta they're talking all the smack. They're like, I thought you didn't like Rift. But because we went in there, we're, we're communicating, we're focused, we have call-outs, we have specific things, what we're, we're, we're doing. It could turn somebody who has a KD of, say, 6, or, or 5, or even lower, but because they're effective communicating what's going on. Hey, I, there's a sniper over here, there's a sniper over here. I got a super, I'm ready to lead the charge. You, uh, you, I'm going forward to take him out. I'm going this other way, I'm going over here. Because we're communicating... There are so many rift captures that we do that the same team who has absolutely nobody on the, on their team would just get ob completely obliterated. Yeah. I, I, I always go back to this point, and this is going to sting people. Iron Banner, whether you like it or not, is a post-game activity. It is an activity to be played with a team. Can you go in there by yourself? Yes. Is it, is it Bungie's fault that you're going in there by yourself? No. You have to be aware that if you go in by yourself, you're at a complete competitive disadvantage no matter how good your skill is. Yeah, and so uh, two things. One, you, you mentioned something about supers a little while back, and I just want to say the best callout in Destiny is I'm pulling hammer, my golden gun. I'm using storm trance because if you're playing with people that actually like understand the game, if I hear 
a, a storm trance, if I hear a hammer, if I hear a golden gun, I'm going the other way. Because I'm getting to a point where I can either be far enough away that I can snipe them or far enough away that they won't kill me. And if I'm in a situation where we're pushing, say we're playing control and we're pushing A, and I hear a super and no one on my team says anything, I'm getting out of there. Well, now this person with the super who didn't call it out has no backup because everybody else got out of there. And then the person with the super has not wasted their super because they die because they didn't have backup. Versus if you call, it's your super. Then everybody comes in with you and isn't afraid to push into this point anymore. And simple things like that can change the game. It can take a, t- a team of players with 0.5 KDs can beat a team of players who all have two KDs if the team of players with 0.5s are communicating and the two KDs aren't communicating. Because you just have a totally different dynamic to how you play the game and everything that happens. If you, if you want to really understand what communication is, watch some esports. Honestly, the best team to watch is if you go to Call of Duty and you watch the Optic Gaming team, they're one of the best teams to, to ever play esports in a uh, competitive video gaming scenario percentage win-wise. And they literally are talking nonstop. When you watch their streams, they're all just jabbering nonstop with callouts. And it, it's because they've gotten so good at this that they don't lose. And it's it will it will make you a much better player if you're willing to do callouts. When um when I'm playing trials, so I have uh, two friends, um, Eli and we call him Pelish, it's his last name, and we play with all the time. Like everybody in the Hi, Pelish, hi Eli. Yeah, in knows them. Uh, they are are good players. But they used to, no offense, guys, they used to suck at PvP. Like when Eli first started, he hated himself. He had like a 0.4 KD and he never even wanted to play PvP. Palace wasn't like as bad at the start. He was like a 0.7 KD. And we would play Trials. Well, it only took me like two weeks or three weeks to go flawless with the two of them. And the reason why that happened was because of communication. Those two both now have over 1 KDs and it's totally down to communication. We have gotten so good with playing each other with communication where we don't even have to communicate as much because a simple thing of um, like, I'm going right. Well, if, if Eli says I'm going right, I know that Eli is now going right with a shotgun. And if we're on rusted lands, he's going to push under broken building up through door and over pipe towards middle because I know that's how he plays. And if you are playing with teams consistently and communicating, you'll know something as simple as I'm going right means they're going to do all these things because leading up to these times, you know that they've called out all these things and every time they do the exact same thing. Or um, you get into these zones where something as simple as uh, like coming top building, like coming coming here, coming there, and you'll be able to look and you'll be able to make kills for your teammates and improve your teammates' KDs. Because if, if you're good at communication and you do it a lot, you're going to make it so like, say I'm last man standing in Trials of Osiris and I'm sniping because that's what I'm going to do when I'm last man standing. Uh, you'll have people that are good at callouts and they'll be sitting there and they'll be like, uh, first of all, using the person who killed you and that little outline is huge when you're dead in Trials of Osiris. You are almost more valuable dead than you are alive sometimes because you can see people. But if you're sitting there and you're like, and you're not saying anything and you're just going to sit there and you're like, man, well, uh, he's in a corner. Okay. I uh, watch my teammate snipe. Oh, my teammate died. He couldn't pull it off. That, that sucks. All right. Well, now you're the most useless teammate ever. But if you're sitting there like, okay, he's coming. He's running through top hallway. 
All right, have you got a line on left door? Okay, keep an eye on left door. Watch from right side. He's coming. He's coming. Fire. Oh, now I got a kill. And it's all because the person was talking. Communication is the key to winning, and people need to start doing it. Let's translate that more to PVE. When you're not communicating, like like when I when I do these Oryx runs, one of the things I always say, all right, as soon as you kill your knight, call it out. As soon as you jump on your platform, say that, for example, one's up, two's up, three's up. As soon as you kill your knight, one knight dead, two knight dead, three knight dead. When I don't hear that call out and I don't get people, that's where I get frustrated. And that's where, as as, as understanding as I try to be, I'm like, look, you either call it out or I need you to leave because I your help, you're hurting the other people that are on this team. Honestly, when I used to do raids a lot, and I would go through and I'd help people in the Technodrome every week, I'd help a lot with raids um, during the first few months of Kingsfall, and I would know if I was going to want to get frustrated and leave a raid when we were doing totems. If people aren't telling me when a knight is coming out doing totems, I would honestly want to just back out of the raid right there. Because if you're... you. Find totems, honestly, to me, is the biggest test of how good is your raid team going to be. If you beat totem in one or two tries, all right, you guys are set. You're going to have a good run. If it takes you half an hour to an hour to beat totems, like I'm going to be smashing my head in the wall by the time we get to Oryx. Because yeah. the, the other systems are just not going to work if people aren't willing to communicate on the simple things. Yeah. Totems is totems and sisters, I find, to be the hardest part of the raid. Oryx is pretty, like, if you, if you get but one thing from beginning to when you stun them down, then every it's just a repeat of that. So, so I mean, it, it, Oryx is pretty... It, it's a cycle. You just do the same thing over four times and you're done. But, man, like, the totems, like, if you're... There's no communication. This is not meant to be a, a bashing of people out there who don't have clans or don't have raid teams. My concern is that there's so many people that are either shy or just like lazy. Those the, I, I find that the players fall into those two camps. They're either shy or they're lazy. And at a certain point, if you're one of those two things and you're not making a call out because you're afraid that you're you're gonna do something wrong, or you're just you, you didn't even care to make the call out, you're hurting. Five other players, especially when I'm doing a quote-unquote noob run, and I want to help these players out. I want them to, to go ahead and, and and get that completion, but I need you to communicate, and, and that's what my, my 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 big frustration is more than the weapon balancing, because we're gonna we're gonna I want to do a a PvP focus podcast in the near future, which we should do it soon, considering there's not much news coming soon. We should do it after Gamescom. We should definitely do it after Gamescom. But coming soon, we'll we'll be doing a PvP focus and get everything out there. And we want I want to go class by class, step by step, and even um, gun type by gun type. And and but the biggest thing in both PVE and PvP is you want to have a good experience. You got to communicate. Even the smallest thing. I'm going to the right. There is a knight in front of me. I can't kill the knight. Can you help out? Something like that changes how the team looks at you and how we can properly work to complete that challenge. 
I think we, we, we got a good amount of frustration and just commentary that I think is important to the, to the community out there. Let's go ahead and talk about messages from the reef and questions that people had um, in the audience. So go ahead and uh, go ahead and start up the questions, David. All right, so first question, we had a couple that came from Hayden Martz. Uh, his first question is, do hand cannons need another small buff to edge them closer to being effective? I think your face needs another buff. Oh, snap! Anyway, um, here's the thing with hand cannons. I honestly believe that they are the most balanced weapon now, which is insane to say, considering before 2.0 came out, they were the most obnoxious weapon in the game. I think that they are in the perfect thing. I think they need a slight buff to accuracy because there there's still I'm still having moments where I have phantom bullets but I, I like what they did in the re most recent update with the accuracy being higher up close and then the damage drop off being very steep when you're outside of the effective range I think it, it that every single weapon needs that steep drop off outside of the range I just the only thing is for example, if I have a pulse rifle, say my Hawksaw or my PDX-45 or 41, I can't remember which one's the fast-firing one, um, or say a, my Mita multi-tool, I shoot the gun, I know it's going to hit. I don't have that same confidence with my Water Star. The Water Star. Your favorite gun. My favorite gun just because it has such a silly name. Yeah, so for me... Um... I, I I feel that in general they're in a pretty good spot, but I think they need both a small buff and a small nerf. And the reason why I say that is because in general, I'm a I'm a very big advocate of there should be huge separation based on the archetype of weapon. And I think um low rate of fire hand cannons need a, a power buff. Because honestly, I think when you're firing like a, like first curse, it should be a two-shot headshot. Mainly because Two shots from first curse takes take longer to get off than three bursts from grasp of Malak, and three bursts from grasp of Malak is a kill. So why is two shots of um, first curse not a kill? And then I oh. feel like they need a nerf in the high rate of fire hand cannons because the high rate of fire hand cannons currently takes the same bullets to kill as the low rate of fire hand cannons. So why would I not use a higher rate of fire hand cannon? I think that's across the board that all high rate of fire weapons just outclass every other weapon crucible it's true and it's it's not good like pulse rifles i thought pulse rifles were fine when um you had those two burst low rate of fire pulse rifles yeah like they're kind of op in the fact that they had a slightly faster kill rate than any other gun but it took skill to be able to hit two full bursts to the head if you missed one shot not in the head you didn't get the kill so that takes skill and i think skills should be rewarded if people are going to be good with staying at some distance and bursting you down with um great accuracy then they deserve the kill it's just like someone who's using jade rabbit and they're skilled with it and they're at a distance like you're not beating them that thing will melt you if they're at a distance and they know how to use it i take out snipers all the time with that yeah that thing's a monster and you should be rewarded for playing in a certain way and um there is no reason why these guns that have high rate of fires shouldn't push you closer, even though it's the same type of gun. It's a different archetype, so it should work differently. And I think they just need to emphasize with guns the differences in archetypes. 
Yeah, I, and and I, I was going to be bringing that up in in the PvP uh, podcast that we're going to do in the future, but I think it's it's obvious that there's a giant imbalance when it comes to gun archetypes that needs to be addressed, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of patch coming out before the game is released, kind of like what they did with Rise of uh, I'm sorry, Taken King, right before Rise of Iron comes out where a giant patch comes out that does address some of these things. Um, and I, I really hope that they take a look at some of these guns, especially the, the lower rate of fire. Because here's the one thing I will disagree with you on. Um, if they make it so that first curse is a two-burst kill, they need to slow that gun a little bit. Just a tad. Enough to make it so that it's it, like pow, pow. Because right now, it, it 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 not that it doesn't fire super fast, but if you you get a two burst kill with that gun, it's ridiculous. Right, but here's the thing: is they say their ideal kill time is 0.8 seconds. That's what they want it to be. So why not make it so it takes 0.8 seconds for those two shots to fire off? Because like right now. It requires three shots, but it takes like a second and a half to get three shots off the first curse. So why am I going to use it? Yeah, first curse. Is, it's such a weird. It's a it's a weird gun in a weird spot. The best thing about it is it has some range, but even with its like bonus accuracy and stuff, proc, you can't even get a two shot kill. Right. But let's go ahead and move on because because I think we're going to be edging into the territory of that podcast. So. In, in short, hand cannons need a change due to, for the archetypes, but in terms of the actual main thing that hand cannons need, I believe that they need some sort of accuracy buff, a slight one, just to remove that phantom bullet issue that is still happening to hand cannons. I, I, I'm not like I'm, I'm aiming at somebody. I know I have my reticle on them. I fire. I'm not even getting a body shot. I'm getting nothing. All right, so Hayden's second question was, should raid primaries with elemental damage be brought back? Only and only if they make it so that there's something to them. Either make it so that solar, you do extra damage to, this is just using this as an example, be able to do extra damage with solar weapons to hive enemies. Hive enemies have, let's say, hive enemies have a weakness to... Uh, fire, which would be similar to what a lot of games do with when it comes to the undead, where undead creatures take extra damage to fire. Um, and then just make it so that if you have a solar shield and you're using either a kinetic, if you're using kinetic, it does minimal damage. If you're using, say, arc or void on a solar shield, it becomes it becomes the immune damage where you have to take where it takes extra shots to encourage you to either use a kinetic or a solar weapon. Because right now, the way that, the only time that ever comes into play is Nightfalls. And Nightfalls are cool and fun, but it's just one activity. Why not in, make it so that you're encouraging people of all types to use all these different weapons to collect, say, a fusion rifle of Void, Solar, and Arc so that you can go into any situation and make appropriate changes? Yeah, um... My thing is, I feel like there's, I don't see a problem with them bringing back elemental damage to raid weapons. 
The only thing is, I feel like they removed it because they thought it bottlenecks people into only using raid weapons. So an easy solution to that would just be make other in-game content drop um, weapons with elemental damage. And if, if they're willing to do that, then it kind of keeps people from using just those regular guns. Um, that, or they just need to make it less of an incentive to use it. Like, it, it's no difference except against the shield of matching type. The only people reason people really wanted to use them in general, though, was because of burns on things like Nightfalls. I remember, like, it was a solar burn. I'm, I'm popping Vision of Confluence because that thing's going to melt through stuff. And, I mean, as long as there's specific scenarios to use them, but you don't get a general, like, advantage by using them in the game, then there's really no reason why they can't be brought back. The one thing I would say with regards to the elemental primaries... I kind of want them to be special. And what I mean by that is, say for, let's just use King's Fall right now. You would get the normal one on normal, uh, the different color one with an additional perk on hard. And if you complete, say, the Oryx challenge mode and you get a primary and you actually complete the challenge, then you get an elemental drop. That cool. way, That way you're giving value to these things. Like, one of the problem with the, the 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 king's fall is there's no value to the to the items i like i i don't mind doing the, the normal raid was cool and you got the cocoon perk and you got another perk but one of the things that that you realize is the harrowed version just looks different and is a higher light level which if you were to infuse that normal to a higher light level then it really doesn't make a difference so give it an additional perk like an intrinsic perk make it so that Cocoon is an intrinsic perk, and you get an additional perk. Well, the hero does have an extra intrinsic perk over the regular. What does it have? Uh, I'm going to have to Google it to find out exactly what it was, but I know it does have an additional intrinsic perk. It's something like bonus damage against Taken or something all, like that. All, all raid weapons have bonus damage against Taken. Well, I know there is an extra intrinsic perk. It's just like the uh, Trials. If you get the um, Adepts, they have a bonus intrinsic perk, and it's like the last man standing perk or something like that, where you have bonus agility and recovery when you're last man standing. But um, that's don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's exactly what you get, but you get some bonus thing when last man standing when you're using an adept weapon that the regular ones don't have. And I'm like 99.8% sure it's the same with hero versus regular. Yeah. Um, I I, I'm I'm looking both at the normal and the harrow. They're the exact same thing. They do have extra damage taken, and the only difference is the color. And that on harrowed it drops up to three thirty-five, where normal drops up to three twenty. I swear harrowed had something bonus. Um, it, it honestly is the look, and and that's the problem I have with the current raid, where these weapons, when you get on on hard, they're not special. And I, I want them to have an extra perk because I think it I think these guns need that extra perk. Um it would be cool to have, say, Rangefinder and full auto on a Duma Chelchis, along with the cocoon being an intrinsic perk and the extra damage to, to the um taken. It would make it more useful because right now, as it is, I never use Duma Chelchis. I use it to infuse my weapons. And that's unfortunate for a weapon that I thought was cool at first, and then it became, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if you were to add it so that the challenge mode gave you elemental, 
in addition to like like make it challenged doom of of Telchis, like all of a sudden it shoots solar it would be a, a like oh my god a, a, i have a solar doom of Telchis with rangefinder full auto extra damage to take in, and it and it has cocoon that's a very valuable weapon to hold on to because all of a sudden i'm going to be taking that in that into nightfalls or into areas where there's a lot of wizards and you get um it's, if it's like a random roll, then it makes it even better. Because exactly. It, it makes it so you you don't have that just vision of confluence when that's where that's the gun everybody wants to use against. And, and and if you did that, then I I would justify saying the slower reload rate and some of the somewhat mediocre stats. Because if you had all this stuff on a Duma Chelchis, it would be very very useful for nightfalls and other and certain things, but it wouldn't outclass say. It still wouldn't outclass uh, the some of the scout rifles you can get, like like um, what's the dead orbit one. I can't believe I just forgot that hung one. Jury. The hung jury, like hung jury, would still be very very good, and it would and you can use it in a lot of situations. But you now have the option to really use Duma Chelchis for say nightfalls or other PVE content. You can enter, you can switch between the two, even though the Duma Chelchis has like five perks. It still isn't out super outclassing the, the hung jury. Yeah. I, I I just think that they didn't think the perks all the way through. And while cocoon is a very very good perk on certain guns, it's kind of a throwaway perk on some primaries because you're reloading primaries all the time. Well, the thing is, like, if you're going to design a raid weapon, that raid weapon should realistically be the best weapon for the raid. And I know for a fact, like, when I go into the raids, I do put on certain raid armor pieces because I want, like, faster re reload and auras and more agility when I'm running with the relic and stuff like that. But I, I don't give two craps about the weapons because the hung jury and stuff is more effective than using a Doom of Chelsea's. Well, let's get to the third question that Hayden had. Um, third question was should re-rolling legendaries with the gunsmith be an option again i do believe we should just say no and move on no i think what needs to happen is that they need to make legendaries especially strike specific loot drop more frequently that way you don't run into people saying i want to re-roll things another thing is that they, they should just make it so the, the packages those packages need to be refreshed and and and, and changed so that they drop more consistent weapons and make it so that the every week they refresh the inventory for the uh, for the vendors so that they're actually selling some of these drops, and it, it makes it so that you're always looking at the vendor to see what they have. Because right now you go to the vendor, you already know what the what they're going to be selling. If they refreshed every week, different weapons, different perks, it would be good for the consumer. I mean, for the community, so that they're always looking at these things and say, "Oh my God, you absolutely must go with a, uh, uh, let's say, uh, future work call." They're selling this, but you're currently doing something with that orbit. You have to make the decision. I was like, "Oh, do I want to do it now and change?" Like, like you're introducing like strategy and whether or not do something. Like, it, it, it's it's a good change. Always keep things fresh and changing all the time. And as it is right now, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's they they need to do some stuff to make it so the grind to get um good legendaries isn't so unbearable, but rerolling's not the answer. 
re-rolling is definitely not the answer. It just turns the meta into what you had in House of Wolves, which wasn't bad, but it, it quickly makes experimenting with guns obsolete when you know that the ultimate is messenger, the ultimate is the one sniper rifle, uh, or fury, whatever it was before. But anyway, or benevolence. There you go, and 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 maybe the the one from barracks. Anyway, shadow veils. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next question uh, is from Scott Layton, and he wants to know: Do we believe the nightfall should return to how it was in year one? I believe you already know what my answer is because I've talked about it, but multiple times. And on a previous version of this show, I just I, I honestly want the nightfall to become its own mini raid, make it so it's a specific strike specific only to nightfall. They a rotation of five specific strikes. You cannot do on a playlist. You cannot select it from the from the director. It's specific to nightfall. It has its own challenge. Don't rely on burns. Rely on actual challenge. Make it an end game content activity. Say, for example, this is just me putting a strike together. You have a a, a Kel and a, a an Archon priest. They're going to they're going to activate a bomb and turn the war in the eastern um in the eastern uh, Euro European dead zone into their favor and completely capture the area. Your job, go into the Eastern Dead Zone, go into their catch, destroy both the Archon Priests and, and, the, and, and the Kel, and save uh, your, the forces from being destroyed by this Neutron Bomb. You have to deactivate the bomb while also taking on the boss. Add a mini-raid mechanic, make it a, a, a semi-long strike, like a 10-15 minute strike, make it challenging, make it fun. Like two bosses, bam, you're done. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, um, I think two things should return from year one. Uh, it should return to make it so it's one of the only few places that you can get exotics, meaning three of coins need to go bye-bye. Um, that way Nightfall feels special because its rewards feel special because a lot of things in this game depend on do their rewards feel special. And two, I think they should bring back returning to orbit because that to me was a ton of fun and it made it a challenge. And I mean, if, if they're going to do something like you're saying, then no, don't return us to orbit because that'd be unbearable to try and do a raid where you get returned to orbit, but normal strikes, if they're going to keep it with normal strikes, return us back to orbit because it made it a challenge and it made you play differently, which I thought was fun. But I'd also like to say what Jorge meant by a previous mis recorded version of this podcast was, uh, we had a wonderfully recorded podcast. It was awesome. James Hale was our guest, so shout out to him. And uh, Jorge messed up his audio. <clears throat> uh, hey, David. You, you know what you can do right now? You can kiss my ass. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I just think that the Nightfall needs to become its own little activity. And because it's basically an upgraded version of a strike, it's not special. And definitely the rewards don't feel special. You know what would be cool? Make it so that a specific exotic piece or several exotic weapons and pieces can only come from a random drop on Nightfall. Yeah, that'd be awesome. 
I mean, it, it would make the Nightfall very valuable, especially if you had a Yallerhorn level weapon that can only be obtained from the Nightfall. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be good. Um, next question is from Paul Pitchford, and uh, I totally call answering this one first. He says, how will Rise of Iron change Iron Banner? And my answer to this is it will give us three new maps to play over and over. As how will Rise of Iron change Iron Banner? I think they're going to make Iron Banner its own little event. Kind of like what they did with Elimination and Trials of Osiris. I think it's going to be its own event, and I think it's going to be a modified version of whatever they're showing at Gamescom. And there'll be some sort of... Um, kind of like, like a Trials Passage Kind of like what they do for the um, for Challenge of Elders, just a, a modified version of that. And I think it has the potential to be very, very great. But I don't. I, I'm just speculating. This is just me guessing. I, I, I honestly don't know exactly how it will change. But I know that they already know that Iron Banner has gotten stale, even though they've introduced different game modes to it. And they need to do something completely different for Iron Banner. I sure hope they realize it's kind of stale. But um, our last question comes from Jordan Weichlisko. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he wants to know, are Three of Coins good for the game? Would it be better to keep exotics behind raids, trials, and quests? I kind of already uh, answered this one. I think Three of Coins are brutal for the game. They ruin it. They make things not so special. And exotics were way better in year one when you had to hunt them down in specific spots. Here's my thing with regards to exotics and three of coins. Are they good for the game? Yes. And only in certain instances. What I mean by that is when you get, say, a primary, a secondary, whatever, you're able to level your character up. You can use these exotics to level your character up. Where they become the problem is when all the exotics are obtainable through the three of coin. That lessens the importance of doing activities such as nightfall. So what should they do with three of coin? I would be okay if they made three of coin useful to obtain previous exotics that you could previously get in the in uh, say Taken King. And then everything new can only be obtained through end game activity. Make it so that you cannot get a Yallerhorn from a Three of Coin. Or, say, Thorn from Three of Coin, if they do decide to bring Thorn back. Or Icebreaker with Three of Coin. Make it so that you have to obtain these things either from a Raid Boss, a Nightfall, um, a specific quest. We need more quests that involve um, exotics. And they were going in the right direction, and then just everything became released through three coins. That's the biggest problem. I think the three coins have their function to help characters level up, but I think that the the overuse of three coin became the game's downfall in sort of nightfalls and um, how special these they felt. 
Yeah. So that was our last question. So with that, we would like to thank you all for listening to In Orbit. Let you know we are available on a ton of platforms. So please, please spread the word for us. We're available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play Music, on Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, on Player.fm, Pocket Cast, and we also have an RSS feed. Also, please make sure to check out the other shows on Mash Those Buttons Network. We have Double Tap, our fighting game podcast released bi-weekly on Wednesdays for fans of Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and other fighting games. WoW Talk, our podcast dedicated to World of Warcraft, released bi-weekly on Tuesdays. We have Watchpoint Radio, our podcast focusing on the sights, sounds, and groans of your constant failure to stop Bastion on Overwatch, available weekly on Tuesday. SITREP Radio is our podcast dedicated to getting you up and around the streets of New York, released weekly on Mondays. We have Frontline Radio, our podcast dedicated to the soldiers fighting on the battlefield and on the battlefront once a month on the third week of each month. And of course, we are In Orbit, your resource dedicated to the Stargazers and Darkness Destroyers in Bungie's Galaxy, available bi-weekly on Monday. For any questions you have regarding scheduling, check out mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule for scheduling details. And you can check us out on twitter.com slash mtbsite, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, youtube.com slash mashthosebuttons. David, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt and streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DS Bolt. No underscores, no spaces. And you can find me on Twitter at GoToNRG. That's G-O, the number two, N-R-G. And you can also find me on the Technodrome Collective, our clan. If you're interested in joining, need players to help you out, complete raids, strikes, other stuff, you can find us at Guardians of the Technodrome on Facebook. And you can also search our website, thetechnodrome.club. That's thetechnodrome.club. All our information's on there. And with that, we're going to bring this show to a close. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, as in any story, past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue. What is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire In Orbit team, we thank you for listening to our show. And as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny calls.